Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 838, air date November 17th, 2020. Good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Ayadure. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. I hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, we've been spending a lot of time and energy putting together a new presentation, continuing the analysis of Michigan votes. So I'm going to wait until people join and then we'll start. But we are live right now on Instagram. We're also live on Facebook, as well as YouTube and Periscope. Uh, I also have a guest, uh, a, a new, uh, newly minted PhD student in data science. Is that right, Doug? Applegate, are you there? I am here. Okay, great to have you, Doug. But we're gonna wait until people join, but we have people all over the country joining, and I think this is a very, very important issue. Um, so wait for Buffalo, New York, we have people from uh, great uh, Boston, uh, people from uh, Arkansas, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Michelle, you can read off people too. Okay. USA. USA. <laughs> Michigan. Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Great to have people from Michigan, United Kingdom. Doug, you're from where? Oklahoma originally, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Maryland. Texas. California. California. Maryland. Great. Michelle's also got people out there. Arizona, Brazil. Arizona, Brazil. California. So as people join, uh, most of you may have seen uh, the video that I did about, I think about four or five days ago on a initial analysis of the votes in uh, Michigan across about four counties. I just want to let everyone know that uh, video was really to wake you guys up. There's a lot of stuff that goes into the field of pattern recognition. It's a very uh, 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 deep and rich field that goes back to the 1930s, which is really the basis of how you understand systems that we're going to talk about today, in this case, voting systems. Um, there's a lot of people who do math. You know, there's fields of theoretical math. There's mathematicians. And what was interesting to observe was when I put this out there, we got a lot of great feedback. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, the people who do math really don't understand the field of pattern recognition. And this is really one of the problems because this field of election voting systems really needs a new breed of what I call an engineer and an election systems um, data engineer. And I'm looking forward to laying out an, a, a framework of how we can do that because clearly, as you'll see uh, in Michigan, election fraud took place. Clearly there are signals of it. And you'll understand what the word signal really means. Our first video yesterday really um, or a couple of days ago was to really wake you guys up, which it did. And it has created a lot of exciting uh, feedback. And it's an opportunity for me as uh, someone who's been doing this since I was a 14 year old kid to really start re-educating the mathematicians out there, the quote unquote novices, as well as experts who frankly do not understand the field of pattern recognition. Some of them do, but that's why in schools like MIT and other schools, you have theoretical math and then you have applied math that people actually apply the math to a domain specific area. So domain specificity is extremely important because there's many, many different areas of where you could apply um, you know, pattern analysis. So, so today uh, we're gonna do a little summary. We're gonna, uh, you're gonna learn a systems approach, what that means. You're gonna really learn an understanding of pattern recognition. You'll get a, a broad overview of the different ways you can apply pattern recognition. Then we're gonna dive into voting systems Again, this is all a background, which I wasn't able to give you in the last video. Then in that context, we're gonna go look 
back at the the what what I call the normal state of what you would expect using the different features and signals we came up with for signal detection. And then within that, we're going to then go and say, hey, what did we show you in the last video? So you get an understanding. There's uh, a lot of people said, oh, this is just a line. Yeah, it is a line, uh, but it's the line that indicates an abnormal state, no different than a cardiologist seeing a sine wave, which is atrial, uh, let's say ventricular fibrillation in a signal, and which is very different than the normal waveform that you see in a normal state, and then saying, oh, it's just a sine wave. Exactly, it's a sine wave, but it's a signal of uh, an abnormal state. So you're gonna understand all this, and then we're gonna give really a path forward of what we need to do. But before I start, I think one of the fundamental questions that everyone needs to ask is, do you as an individual want election integrity or are you fine with election fraud? That's really the question because uh, it seems that sort of the uh, obtuse criticism, some of them were nice, which we'll talk about, uh, were frankly people who don't really care about solving election fraud. So that's what we need to talk about. Are people truly interested in looking at, is there election fraud issues? Are the voting systems of integrity? And do we want to address it as a populace? Without that, everything else is sort of, um, you know, armchair sort of philosophy. Okay, so let's begin. Let me begin by, first of all, um, starting right here. The title of today's talk is called Signal Detection of Election Fraud in Voting Systems, the Michigan 2020 Trump-Biden Analysis. And the key thing you're going to learn today is an engineering systems approach. My goal is, as an educator and as a scientist and an engineer is to draw you in, which is what I did in the last video, but now to elevate your consciousness in a very profoundly different way so you understand what an engineering systems approach is. So get ready. This is going to be a lot of good stuff, and I hope you enjoy it. So let's start. So first of all, let's look at the summary. Well, as we saw last time, and, and as you'll see again today, if, if it wasn't clear last time, the signals of election fraud clearly exist in Michigan. That's the first takeaway. Um, the second thing is the first video shared the signal of fraud. We, sh we shared you those curves in Kent County, Macomb County, and o uh, Oakland County to really show you what fraud looks like. That's called a signal, and you'll understand that. It's not the normal case. We didn't have time to share the normal case or get into the mathematics of it, but today we will. So you understand what a normal signal looks like and why we raise the alarm with the abnormal, where we call the signal of fraud. But one of the important things that came out of is I saw this feedback coming back, and I, you know, I've had students, I've had at MIT, I've run many major projects, is that when it comes to this field, as in any field of pattern recognition, we really need what, what I'm creating a new term, election data systems engineers. Now, mathem mathematicians need some serious training here, what I realized, because they're into just looking at it in a very pecuniary way, in a very reductionist way, because this is not just math. There's a need for domain expertise in any of the fields of pattern recognition. If you're doing sleep analysis, if you're doing voice analysis, signature analysis, in this case, uh, detection of fraud, you got to know the field. And there are people that we work with who've been looking at this field for 20 years. They have an intuition. They may not know all the math, but they have a lot of domain knowledge and you, you cannot disrespect that. But the other feature, the other thing that we brought out is there is a feature in these systems called the weighted race feature, where it allows our votes not to be treated as whole numbers, that it's not one person, one vote. That feature is embedded into these systems. So the other question people need to ask is, you know, A, can we detect 
uh, when that feature is enabled, that's through signal detection, and can we detect election fraud? That's why we're doing all of this because these voting system companies won't let us get into them. They're not transparent. It's very hard to get data, but can we see a certain signal and say, hey, you know what? That election is a fraudulent election. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to do what's called signal detection of fraud. All right, so let's jump right into it. First, um, as I go into this, the first part of this, I wanna educate all of you on a systems approach to looking at this versus just looking at a little line over here or a little curve over here or looking at some dot over here. You need to have a systems approach. So you're gonna right now get a, a real deep understanding of what I mean by that. And you can go much, much deeper. So what do I mean by systems approach? Well, this is what a system looks like. Any system, an input comes in and an output comes out. Now there's other parts of this where you get into intelligence systems, but broadly put an input comes in and you get an output, you know, a ballot, someone, a voter walks into a voting precinct, they put a vote and you assume one vote comes out. If obviously one person comes in and one and a half votes came out or a half a vote came out or five votes came out, that's, that's problematic and we'll talk about that, but it's an input goes in and output. And that system has a state. You know, you're, you as a body or a system, you have a state, you have a certain amount of genetics in your body, right? That determine whether your proclivity, you, uh, based on what you've eaten, the lifestyle you live, that's the state of your system. So the states are very, very important. Now you could have a normal state where you're in, you're, let's say in the case of your body, your body is in homeostasis, you're healthy, or you could have an abnormal state. And what we attempt to do, as you'll realize in signal detection, is can we, by looking at outside signals, determine what's going on inside that system? And I've spent a, a lifetime doing that, and I'm gonna share with you some of those different prompts so you really start getting a feel for this field. So for example, a friend of mine's a cardiologist, and I said, hey, can you send me a normal state and some maybe abnormal state? So, you know, your cardiovascular systems in your body, people, you know, hook up those um, detectors to your body. And typically this waveform that you're seeing here is called the normal state, which means when you have that beautiful little diagram out there with all those little peaks and waves, it means your heart is functioning properly. Now, a, a cardiologist, um, my professor at MIT, Forbes Dewey, who held three professorships there, you know, in uh, mechanical engineering and health sciences and technology and biological engineering, he had a very famous statement when it came to this field. He said, you know, this it's an art and an information science. Medicine is an art and an information science. So the good cardiologists may also learn to see this kind of signal. And many of them, you know, they just look at a signal and they say, oh, that's a problem. So this is ventricular fibrillation, okay? This is when there's something off inside your system. So this is a normal state. And when you see that signal, you say, wait a minute, something's off. Um, yes, and this is a sine wave, right? Um, the line that we shared with you is a line. And people are saying, oh, it's a line, so what? Well, that line, as you'll see shortly, is a deviant from the normal state. We're gonna share with you normal state, just like if you just saw a sine wave, imagine a mathematician saying, Oh, so what? It's a sine wave. Well, it's a pretty stupid person because they don't understand the domain that that is very different than this, that that sine wave is an indication of an abnormal state. Okay. So what is pattern recognition? Pattern recognition is a beautiful field. Um, it's really understanding the nature of these systems. Once you understand pattern recognition, you can understand the nature of all systems. So um, just to let you know, um, uh, at MIT, uh, one of my advisors was Rosalind Picard. Roz, uh, taught the pattern recognition course 
And it's a field those of you who are interested in type in pattern recognition, but it's a very profoundly rich field that some of you may enjoy. So what is pattern recognition? It's understanding the nature of systems. So, and there's two really halves to pattern recognition. There's people who look at these systems and they wanna know why and how, what's going on inside that black box. So they create mathematical models to explain the phenomenon, like people who do climate models, many of them which are not accurate, right? Or people try to model uh, certain types of different functions, right? But one is actually doing the math. They come up with equations. And an example of that is what Isaac Newton came up with. He was looking at the interaction of two systems, you know, two bodies, you know, mass one and mass two. And through that, he figured out this is an equation. So typically you get a mathematical description of that. In fact, we had someone write to me. They said, you should take down that video. Your math is off and da, da, da. Well, and this is a guy, when he looked at his math, there was a lot of things wrong with his math. And I feel bad writing to him, but uh, he was attempting to do that, but he doesn't understand elections. So he made some very, very fundamental uh, assumptions. If you know who you are, you can give me a call if you want to, uh, but we're not taking down any videos because your math is wrong. And the reason his math is wrong is he's not had his hands dirty looking at election systems. Um, the other part of pattern recognition is signal detection, where you're getting something and you're trying to discover, hey, what's the normal state? You know, the normal cardiology signal, what's the abnormal state? And this really requires experts in that domain. There's a lot of people who know a field, they don't know any math experience, but you show them a certain pattern, they'll say, hey, that's bad, that's good. My grandmother was like this. She There's a traditional system of medicine where she analyze people's faces, she, she'd go boom, they have a liver issue. That person has a heart condition. And this comes from purely expert intuition. And we in pattern analysis try to download that person's brain and say, what are they actually seeing to figure that out? And it's really an art and an information science. So for example, in the signal de detection part of pattern analysis, we're actually trying uh, to understand the normal state, which is a, that's a normal signal, which is what we wanna do in the election case, what does a normal election look like? And, and over here in, in the cardiology case, you're seeing all these abnormal states. Each one of those different signals indicates different dysfunctions in the heart, okay? So, so fundamentally, pattern recognition, there's a model development piece where you try to figure out how and why, you create mathematical models, you explain the phenomenon, and you do computer simulations of the observation. And then there's a signal de detection piece, which is what we're talking about today. We wanna do signal detection of fraud. It's looking at what is the abnormal state? Hey, this is when an election is being run fairly. What's, what's the normal state? I'm sorry, the other way around, right? The normal state is a fair way and the abnormal state is the wrong way. And then it, it, this field demands domain expertise. We are very fortunate to find people who've been looking at these, you know, lots and lots of diagrams like Phil Evans. He's been looking at this for a long time and he just knows some of the stuff intuitively. So he has a rich set of diagrams and signals. So it's not just math. So anyone who just says just doing math really doesn't get it. They're sort of very adolescent in their treatment of this, okay? So again, just to summarize, pattern recognition has the mathematical modeling and the signal detection. Today's, what, we, what we've been doing is really focused on the signal detection. That's what we need right now. And we need to build our chops in doing that. So let's go to the next part. So let me share with you now, um, you know, since I was 14 years old, I've been involved in this field. I was just uh, thinking about it. I said, you know, it's really weird. Life has put me in trying to do signal detection of election fraud. And by the way, many of you know, I ran for U.S. Senate in Massachusetts. We 
we're on the verge of a landslide victory and we noticed massive election fraud. We noticed in Franklin County, we had 3000 volunteers, you know, tens of thousands of lawn signs, uh, tens of thousands of bumper stickers, standouts, amazing volunteers. The other candidate was set up by the Rhino Democrat GOP. He was a complete fool to say the least. He was nowhere to be found. No lawn signs, no bumper stickers. He was essentially someone put there so I wouldn't win the Republican primary. And we found out it was on election day. We won in uh, Franklin County, pretty much white working class community where most of the votes are hand counted. I won by 10 percent. But in every other community, remember, this guy didn't even campaign. I hit 20, 250 cities. We were everywhere. Billboard signs, TV, radio. This guy was nowhere to be found. I lose 60-40, 60-40, 60-40, 60-40. Here's a guy who's from Greenwich, Connecticut. He wins 60-40 in, his, in a Hispanic area, 60-40 in a black area, 60-40 in a all white area, like he's a man of all seasons. So we knew something was wrong. And we started uh, going into, this was in September 1. And that's when I started applying my skills of pattern recognition. And obviously I got a lot of help from great people. And one of them, Doug Applegate's on the call today. You heard of Phil and Benny on the call last time, but it's a it, pattern recognition brings a lot. Of, so I just want to uh, give you guys an idea of what pattern recognition is. When I was 14 years old, I started working as a full-time research fellow at what is now known as Rutgers Medical School to look at a very interesting problem. Could you detect the signal when a baby was going to stop breathing, which is called an apnea? And this was called sudden infant death syndrome. So um, at that time, this was in 78. I had access to a, some of the best 48 hour sleep data. And I started building algorithms, which would try to help me say, oh, that sleep, because I knew when a baby was, uh, had a risk, high risk baby, when they would go into certain sleeping patterns, and I knew the normal baby. So I started looking at the differences and I started building algorithms, which could figure out those different sleep patterns. So this was a sleep pattern of a baby who's high risk, not so high risk. And I, in fact, delivered a paper, um, uh, in Finland, uh, when I was a teenager, about 17 or 18, it was a great opportunity, but I got really understanding that the, the math, but more importantly, the math had to change. I was very fortunate to have a domain expert who'd been in this field for 20, 30 years. He'd been looking at sleep patterns. So I was able to, you know, download his brain and then add the math, but you cannot do it just the math. You have to know the field because these signals are related to actual uh, events that are going on, in this case, a baby. Another very interesting project I worked on pattern recognition when I first came to MIT was a project called Tadoma. If you haven't heard of it, it's a, it's a very incredible phenomenon. Deaf blind people cannot see each other, you know, or they can't hear. So the way they communicate is they literally take their hand and they'll put it on your face and they're extracting certain signals and they're detecting from those signals what you're actually saying. So in this project I did for about uh, three or four years, we actually used to bring people in. We used to hook them up to different types of um, detection methods. And we started looking at their lower lip movements, their upper lip movements, their breathing, their jaw movements. And we started building a signal detection of looking at those six or seven signals to what words they were saying. So that's another very powerful approach of looking at patterns and associating with signals. Uh, for my, uh, when I was, before I started my master's work, I had a chance during a couple of summers to work on, you know, there's a lot of bridges breaking down in Massachusetts, but you don't want to go opening up a bridge and digging it to figure out what's going on. So the opportunity here was we would drive over a 
Volkswagen bus, which was attached with a radar, we would send signals down into the bridge and then we would get patterns of signals back. And then we could figure out, oh, this pattern is, you know, salt erosion. This pattern is, you know, uh, rebar erosion, et cetera. But this is a very powerful way without having to rip open the bridge that you're using pattern analysis to figure out what's going on inside that bridge, which is a system. Another thing that I did for my master's work, you know, my master's work was in mechanical engineering and also at the media lab, a different master's I did to really starting to look at, can we do what's called non-destructive evaluation? My professor at MIT is one of the leaders in this, Jim Williams, um, introduced me to this, but imagine an aircraft wing of a plane. You know, these are hundreds of millions of dollars, these airplanes, and there could be composite fibers that are undergoing different decay. And so we used to, uh, we figured out methods to send an ultrasonic signal in and you'd get a signal back and that would help you get these different signal forms to detect different kinds of defects. So you weren't wasting your time and, you know, billions of dollars opening up airplanes and cracking. We don't want to do that. It's like a monkey business. Here you send a beautiful sign, uh, uh, ultrasonic wave, and you get a signal back. Another way to do signal detection. And more recently, some of you may know, my PhD work was in biological engineering, but it's really doing mathematical modeling in the area of biology. So the company that I built, Cytosolve, where we have technology which can, you know, put, we can look at long before we create supplements or combinations of compounds, what that will do. So the, the combination is a system and we can figure out, oh, that combination will cause this type of inflammation. So maybe we shouldn't put that together or this combination will lower inflammation. So we're looking at biomarkers to reduce inflammation that generates a different kind of signal as you're seeing the scatter plots, okay? And for many, many years between 1992 to the present, by the way, I, as you know, I created the first email system when I was in doing that medical research work. But many years later in 1993, I won a competition to analyze email for the White House and that began into a big company I built around a couple hundred million in value. But what we did was I figured out a way to look at an email message and extract signals out of that. So here's an email message and I could extract signals like the attitude of the uh, message, the issues, the product, the request. And with this capability, with a lot of mathematics, we were able to automatically route a message. We could detect whether you should just throw this away, but that was another message method of signal detection. So I hope that gives you an idea, this field of pattern analysis has been around for many, many years. It's a very rich field, but one of the most important thing is it's not just math. You need to understand the domain. When I was doing email analysis, I must have, re I must have gone through hundreds of thousands of emails, looking at them in all different forms until I, I discovered all emails have these features, an attitude, an issue, a product, a request. That's called the art of pattern recognition. It's not someone, something you can teach people overnight. It's not just math, it's called the features of a signal, okay? And we'll talk about that. And that's why it's important to understand what are the features of election fraud? All right, so let's go into that. So remember, when you do signal detection using the cardiology example, you have the normal state, a nice waveform, and you have these abnormal states. So in the case of email, you could have an email which has a happy customer, everything's fine, or you could have abnormal states, angry customer, they're saying cuss words in their email, they want a refund, or they complain about their website. And you can use signal detection methods like I used for Echo Mail to discover this, and it's actually can save a lot of companies money, et cetera. But that's these, why signal detection is valuable. In fact, if you guys wanna look, go look at it, the patent that I wrote back in 
2004, really talked about a broad way of doing this where you do three features, feature extraction, clustering, and learning. And I wanna teach you this so you appreciate that we need to have a generalized framework uh, for signal detection, right? So there's really three parts to this. One is when a signal, it, one is when they, when you're looking at something, you need to be extract the features of it. And I'll talk about that. Once you extract the features, you wanna be able to create a signal out of those features and cluster it, and then you can learn from it. Let me give you an idea of why human beings are very good at signal detection. Probably at some time in evolution, you know, when a snake was coming at you, you had to make a decision where you're gonna run or maybe pet it, okay? Well, if the snake had a diamond head and a certain colors, it bit you, maybe it was a viper and you died and the other people said, oh my God, that, you know, when you see a diamond shaped head and it, it moves in a certain way, we should probably run. So over time, that was the art of pattern recognition and some people paid a lot of price. They said, oh, if you see that feature with the diamond shaped head, one feature, and it slithers in a certain way, a very fast slither, that's probably a poisonous snake, okay? So that's what's called feature extraction. Um, in face analysis for many years, people were taking the entire image, all thousands of pixels, and all these mathematicians were doing all this very complex math. And someone said, whoa, 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 you don't need to do that. You can just extract certain features. The features could be the distance between the nose and the forehead, the distance between the eyes, and the distance between the chin and the nose. And just with a few handful of numbers, you could figure out whether the person's maybe a different race, right? What feature they were, who they were. So feature extraction is really the art of pattern recognition, right? So that's what I call, so the, so the features, what features you're gonna use to detect your signal. Organizing the data using methods called clustering. That's really the, where the signal emerges. And then you derive the understanding to figure out what's the abnormal and the normal state. And obviously you iterate. This is not something you do overnight. Um, this is an iterative process. So this is really the generalized framework for um, you know, signal detection or pattern analysis. So I hope this is becoming clear. It's a complex systems process. It's not just doing one little mathematical analysis. So with all the election fraud stuff going on, I'm getting tons of emails from one, one hand, people are math guys and then people who are data guys. But unfortunately, um, they have very little election understanding and the election understanding people need math understanding. So there's a huge opportunity for all of us to work together here. So just as an example, as I talked about feature extraction, right? So when they do face analysis, they're not scanning every little, you know, pixel in your body. They're, they're finding certain features. In this case, you know, you see these little features. So it's a handful of numbers and these are called distance measures. I know one of the math guys on YouTube said, oh, you can't subtract percentages. Well, he doesn't understand pattern recognition. In pattern recognition, you can create features, you can subtract, add, multiply. It's the art of it. So you're trying to figure out signals and you're playing around. So you, it's an art and a science, it's trial and error. So in the case, what Phil Evans came up with was a signal uh, of using the, the percentage of a candidate's votes through individual candidate, right? The individual candidate voting and the percentage of votes someone gets from a party voting. And we'll talk about that. And the difference of that, and then plotting it on two axes to get a signal, right? Totally fine in pattern analysis because you're trying to figure out signals. Mathematicians don't get it. Again, they're very narrowly focused. So tell the math guy that he needs to learn some pattern analysis. So let's go to electronic voting systems now, okay? So um, hopefully just quick review, you've understood systems, 
you've understood. I gave you a whole range of stuff that I've been involved in over 50, 40 years now, looking at all different kinds of pattern analysis prompts. So hopefully you understand. Uh, um, I'm here to educate you and there's some, uh, there's some serious uh, domain expertise I've had to go through many areas, but the voting area was relatively new to me. I was sort of forced into this when I saw the election fraud take place right in Massachusetts. So now let's talk about voting systems in the context of a system. Okay, so let's look at that. So if you look at electronic voting systems, there's a system, an input comes in, an output. This is like any system. Okay, now that you you're experts at that, but in a voting system, um, what you really have. What you really have here is you have votes coming in, which we call P, okay? And you have votes, I'm sorry, you have voters who walk into a precinct. So think about the voting system. You have voters who walk into a precinct, okay? X number of voters, I'm calling it P, P number of voters. So if you have 10 voters, and let's say they're gonna vote for Biden or Trump in this case, at the out of it, you should have maybe six votes for Biden, four votes for Trump. Now they could do, you know, four votes for Biden, four votes for Trump, and two of them may have written in votes, or one of them may have, one of the two may have written in, and one of them may have done a blank vote, or one of them may have circled both things. That's called an error vote. But bottom line, all the votes coming out, which we're going to do a little math formula, should equal the total number of voters coming in. You would think this would be true. So let's take it step by step. What P, I'm going to use the variable P to be the number of voters. We call that participating voters, which means the people participating in that election at a precinct, okay, number of voters. So what does that look like? Well, P, the number of voters, for, for those of you who are afraid of formula, I'll, I'll take this slowly. Um, there are four variables that make up P. I'm going to call it RP, DP, IP, and OP. What do I mean by that? RP are all the registered Republican voters. So we're looking at people coming into a precinct to vote. So you could have registered Republican voters. Maybe you got 10 of those. You maybe have 10 registered Democrat voters, DFP. You may have 10 independent voters who didn't designate a party. Okay. And then you may also have people who are registered other parties. Remember, there are other small parties, Libertarian, Green, and you may have 10 there. So the total P, if these were all 10, would be 40 voters. Okay. 40 participating voters. Great. Now, the votes on the right side, the output are the number of votes. So if you had 40 voters coming in, you would think there should be 40 votes, right? So what is the formulation of B? Again, to those mathematicians out there who sent me very complex formulas, you guys need to really listen here. You, some of you are experts. You kept using voters and votes, you know, hand in hand. It's not right. And you'll see, you can't, voters, as you're going to see very soon, could be different than votes. And this is a foundation of the problems in election integrity. So people are doing all this math stuff, but have no idea. So they're basically assuming there is no election fraud, assuming votes equals voters and formulating. And you'll see this is um, how you, you get the result that you want saying, oh, there's no election integrity on the front, no election fraud on the front page of the New York Times. But here's what we have. The number of votes cast, it, I'm gonna use, there's really made up of five variables, okay? First you have votes, so you could have, let's say Biden and Trump, it could be votes for the Republican candidate, votes for the Democrat candidate. I'm using RV for Republican, DV for Democrats. You could have votes for the other party candidate. I've lumped them into, oh, Libertarian, Green, all those guys. Then some people may write in someone's name, Mickey Mouse, right, Donald Duck. B would be blank votes. People said, I'm not gonna vote for the president, presidential race. So that's a blank vote. 
Sometimes people do the opposite. They may like put circles on Biden and Trump. In that case, the election officials call that an error, okay, an undervote or an overvote, and they sort of throw it away. But we still capture that in E, what's called the votes that are nullified. So the total number of votes cast will be RB, DB, OV, WV, BV, and EV, okay? That's the total number of votes. Okay, I'm hope I'm keeping everyone uh, together. Um, don't be alarmed. This is just very simple math, okay? So the question is this, should PV, should P equals V, which means should the voters, if you're doing an analysis, equal the number of votes? Now, you would say, of course, that should be true, right? And, and so a lot of people, when they're doing their formula, they're setting up their mathematics, they're saying, you know, they're using these interchangeably. Should P equals V? This is a foundation of signal detection of election fraud. This, you got to get this. Does P equal V? Okay. Well, guess what? Assuming P equals V is a big mistake. And a lot of math people are making this mistake and they're getting false negatives, meaning, oh, there's no election fraud because they started with the assumption P equals V. All right. So let's go into that. I'll give you my own example. This is the act. So when, when um, I saw the election fraud take place, we know we won the Republican primary. It was obvious because we were everywhere. This guy was nowhere to be found. So our, some of our advisors said, hey, go to, the, go to individual towns and ask them for two pieces of data. Ask them for P, the participating voters, the list of all the people who voted, and ask them for V, the ballots cast. Now, I thought they should be the same. Because if they're not the same, it's a big signal of election fraud. And look what we found here. Let me share this with you. This is in Massachusetts. We asked for about 17 different uh, towns. Only seven of them actually gave us the data. This time I'm asking for no more towns because we filed a lawsuit, as some of you may know, and we won the first part of it. This is what you see. Look, number of participating voters. In Boston, look, 142,911. Uh, That's how many people voted in that precinct, mail-in, absentee, et cetera. But look at how many the votes are. There are more. There's 4,114 more votes in Boston than voters. So P does not equal V. I'll give you another example. Newton, 30,284 voters came in and we got 32,064 votes. So 1,780 more votes. This is what you would call a signal. This is an irregularity. And in order for that irregularity, to be resolved, we wanted the ballot images. So I went and filed a FOIA in Massachusetts. Give me the ballot images. Guess what? Massachusetts says we delete ballot images. Now, why is that important? Remember in Franklin County, I won, and if you look at it, there is no such discrepancy. But in these towns, these were machine counted where the ballot goes in, a digital image is created, and guess what? The machine counts the ballot image. The ballot image becomes a ballot. So from the chain of custody, I wanted the ballot images. Well, Massachusetts told me the ballot images were deleted. According to federal law and any federal election, you're supposed to save them. When I tweeted out this fact and shared email communications, I was thrown off Twitter for 21 days in my 35 days remaining in my election, in the general election. We found out that the Secretary of State had contacted Twitter. They colluded with them. I won a, a, the restraining order and we have a major lawsuit coming. This is not some fringe thing. This is happening. So those of you who want to support Biden or want to support someone else, and, and, and by the way, just to let you know, uh, those of you who think I'm in one camp or the other, my history is I never voted in my life until Trump ran. So I'm not a Republican. 
I'm not a Democrat. I, I, I like Trump uh, with full disclosure because he was a he was anti-establishment and he was disrupting things. But my the history is I, I'm not a lifetime Republican here. I just wanted to share that with everyone. A number of people wanted me to, uh, you know, make, clarify that. Uh, so those of you uh, who truly care about election integrity, look at these numbers. P cannot equal V. OK, so now I want to uh, thank people like Bev Harris and Benny Smith, who introduced me to this concept called the weighted race feature. So why why should we not assume P equals V? Well, guess what? And everyone, this is what's been interesting. When we did our video last week, none of these math critics who are very adolescent, some of them, most of them, frankly, no one wanted to address a weighted race issue. It's like, it's a, it's as, as it's a big elephant sitting in the room and yet no one wants to address it. I find this quite appalling, which means you have some math skills, but you don't want to address the integrity issue. The, the voting systems, have a feature in there called a weighted race feature that allows a person's vote to be multiplied by either a number less than zero or a number greater than zero, which means one person is not one vote. In my case in Massachusetts, and we're going to share this data in a couple of videos, we have discovered that my votes were multiplied by 0.6 and my opponent's votes were multiplied by 1.2. That's how they flipped it. The cool thing is we found some wonderful signals, which we're going to be showing in court, that show that unequivocally. But the bottom line is all of you math guys, listen very carefully. If you really want to help versus being just snarkers, do you care about the fact that there's a weighted race feature in these systems, which means it's not one person, one vote. In some ways, we could all be slaves or we could all, all be nobility, which means our votes can be get multiplied. This feature exists. So that means P may equal V or P may not equal V. That's the reality. So let's go to the weighted race feature. It's an algorithm that you can, you can set in these machines for weighted race allocation. That means it allows you to transfer a percentage of votes from one candidate to another. And that percent is a weighted decimal value. And to make, to make it really clear is that this weighted race is a documented feature in election systems as early as 2001. Now, all major vendors are believed to have this feature. And Diebold, you know, the financial company which created voting systems, had the original feature. Now, if you don't believe me in this, again, what I'm going to share with you should really get all of you excited, alarmed, and angry. But more importantly, wanting, you know, people like me and others to bring people together to really unify us to understanding why is this feature there and how can we detect when that weighted race feature is on. That's really the fundamental issue here. So I'm going to share with you this. This is the actual manual that Bev Harris was able to find. Okay. She was a pioneer in this. So she gets the manual and what do you find in the manual? Well, you find in the manual right there. If you look right there, it's called a weighted race feature. Weighted races are tallied by weights assigned from the voter registration system and may be counted in central count vote counter centers only. So there is a feature in the system that you can turn on so you do not get one person, one vote. Um, so you do not get one person, one vote. I think, uh, hey, uh, Doug, can you mute yourself? Because I'm getting feedback. Sorry. Doug? Okay, we're getting feedback. So that's the problem here. 
you do you 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 have a feature it's a documented feature guys everyone looking at it all you math guys looking at this this is the issue there's a weighted race feature in these systems right there weighted races and the belief is all of these systems have this so now having given you that let's go and all you mathematicians who wrote to me a couple of you um some heads of some major organizations who got there probably by being bureaucrats, but they don't know their math. That's the unfortunate thing. Um, they don't know their practical math. So when you really look at this, we need to do an adjustment to our understanding of when we calculate V. And what am I talking about? So remember, I said the number of votes is equal to all the people who voted Republican, all the people who voted Democrats, all the people who voted for other party, the write-ins, the blank votes and the error votes, right? But if there is a weighted race feature in these systems, you need to modify that, okay? It's not V equals RV plus DV plus OV plus WV plus BV plus EV. It's actually V equals some weight A times the people voted for the Republican candidate times B times the people voted, let's say Democrat candidate Biden times C times people voted for the other party candidates times E for the write-ins times F for the blank votes and G for the null votes because the system can assign weights. So what that means is if P is equal to the number of voters who came in, which is still hasn't changed, guess what? Unless there's election fraud, okay? I mean, the voter fraud, okay? But if and only if that's what IFF means in math, if and only if, if A, B, C, D, oops, that should be D, sorry about that. D, E, F, G, sorry about that. But if these values are zero, then and only then can you say P equals V. All right, so what am I saying? I'm saying only if the weighted race feature is turned off, can you say P equals V. That's the normal condition. But the abnormal condition is suppose those weights are less than 0 0.1, 0.2, which means in my case, as we found out, they're you know, taking 30, 40% of my votes away, multiplying by 0.6, and they're increasing the other guys by 1.2, then this formula, and if you compare it to this formula, then P will not equal V because guess what? V can be multiplied by these weights. I hope that's clear. So let me just review that very quickly. If the number of voters coming in P will equal V, the actual ballots cast, if you don't have that weighted race feature on or if the weights are set to zero. But if the weighted race features on, those weights are non-zero, negative, I mean, uh, less than zero or more than zero, you can't say P equals V. So again, all of you mathematicians, you know, I don't want to critique you. I don't have time for it. I got to do this right now. So I didn't, I took very clear notes of some of your formulations. Sometimes you say voters and votes, go redo your math. Okay. And you realize you're starting a priori, assuming there is no voter, voter fraud. This is a serious problem. Okay. So that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to inundate you with too much math. Again, the video that we did a few days ago, we didn't want to overwhelm you, but this, that was the first video to waken you up, okay? So that's what the reality is. So in summary, if you assume the voters P equals the votes V, P equals V, this is a wrong assumption. Now, even mathematicians, novice and experts are making this wrong assumption, all right? So what is our research aim? So why did we do all this? Why did I get involved in this? You know, when you do science and when you do engineering science, you start with a research aim. What's your goal? And when you put out this research aim, you get data, you take feedback. So we did not just put our, we didn't write a paper with what we did. We put it out to, I think, 10, 20 million people 
have probably seen the video we did. We wanted to do open science. We put it out there, got a lot of good feedback. We got critiques, but that's what it's about. We want the criticisms. We want the feedback. Most of the feedback on this was talking about, oh, you just did a line. You just did a line. All this is just a line. We're going to talk about that because we, we, we shared the abnormal condition, which is a line. And it shouldn't be a line. As you'll see, it should be a parabola. Okay. So when you say it's a line, what's the problem? That's no different than a very foolish person telling a cardiologist, oh, it's just a sine wave. What's the big deal? Well, that's atrial, that's ventricular fibrillation. And when you see a line like that, that's election fraud. Okay. That's why the line is important. So listen very carefully to those of you um, who just want to do math and want to learn some stuff right now. Okay. So the research aim here is, can we detect when the weighted race feature is enabled using pattern recognition? That's our goal. And we have three specific aims. And by the way, I'm proposing this for all of us, all of you systems data engineers want to work um, with an initiative that I want to propose that we do. So first we need to do signal detection, which is extract those features. What are the features that are in that, that make up that signal? Second is we want to do signal detection. That's the second aim. And, and third, which is probably in the future, can we start building models, mathematical models, which can actually help us understand the dynamics, you know, causal models, but that's a little far way off. Today, we're gonna to really speak about one and two, all right? So what's the methodology? Well, what feature do we wanna use? We wanna figure out what features we wanna use, and that's so we can measure the signal. Then we wanna develop an understanding of the normal conditions. What's a normal signal when election fraud is not happening? And then, frankly, to support this methodology, we need skill sets, we need domain expertise, Phil Evans, uh, Phil's been getting very little sleep. I wanted Phil to join. I wasn't able to reach him, but Phil Evans has been doing this for a long time. I think 20 years. He's been looking at all sorts of data. He can spot when there's fraud. Now, mathematicians will go prove that to us. Well, after you've done it enough, just like my grandmother could see an understanding, just like a cardiologist sees, a, or my grandmother could see a face and say, that's a disorder. Once you've seen millions of data sets, you start building an intuitive understanding. No different than a chess master seeing a organization of pieces and he knows what move to make. It's the intuition bills and intuition is really the instantiation of pattern recognition built over time. So you need domain expertise. You also need to take an engineering systems approach. It can't just be a math approach because it's not a math problem. This is not what it is. It's really a pattern recognition problem. Okay. That's what we're dealing with. So when it comes to this, when it comes to our problem here, um, the two features as of now were looked at. There could be other features. And those two features is really a distance measure as we saw in the face analysis case. We don't care if the denominators don't matter. You know, that's not a math problem. It's you're looking at the percentage, one percentage minus a month, another percentage, that's a distance measure as a feature. So in this case, we had two features, the percentage of candidate individual votes, which means um, the people who voted a la carte, which means they didn't go straight party. In Michigan, you can do this. You can't do this in all states, but you looked at people who just voted for the individual candidate. The percentage of a candidate got minus the straight party vote. That was one feature. And then the other feature was a straight party voting. And those two signals were plotted on an axis. That created a, a, a signal. Now we were limited because to access the demographic data. You know, we've been asking people for data. We need data. If we can get demographic data, we can build other features. So we need we can develop other features and we need assistance from election data systems engineers. So I'm asking you guys 
if you're a data scientist, computer scientist, you know, I'm willing to support your educational process, but you got to elevate yourself to become more of a data systems engineer. So in, in Michigan, as you know, there's two types of voting. People can do individual candidate voting, which means they can choose Biden or Trump, or they can choose a particular candidate or what some people call a la carte voting, or they can do straight party voting. They can vote for all Republicans or all Democrats. And now each precinct in Michigan tracks a voter either as casting a straight party vote or individual party vote. And so, for example, at a precinct example, consider 200 total voters go to a precinct, 200 people coming in and 100 voters do the straight party method. And out of those 100, 60 vote Republican and 40 vote Democrat. So you got the 60 percent and 40 percent feature measures. And then you got 100 voters who vote for the individual candidate. So let's say 65 votes uh, for Trump and 35 votes for Biden. So another feature is a 65% Trump, the 35% Biden. And now if you want to look at the total vote counts, you would get uh, a third feature or fourth feature, a third feature if you wanted. Okay, total vote counts. All right. But we really looked at these two feature uh, vectors. And so in our analysis, we compared for a county by each pre precinct, the Republican straight party votes, that's on one axis, and the direct Trump individual candidate votes, okay? And we plotting, and we plotted on the x-axis the Republican straight party votes, which are the percentages. And the y-axis, we, as I said earlier, the other feature was a difference between the percent Trump individual candidate votes minus the Republican straight party votes. So for example, consider this case, as we did last time, you got 60% um, in, in one precinct, you have 60% Republican straight party votes. That means 60% uh, uh, people voted, uh, um, of, of, the, of the straight party votes, 60% were Republican, and of the individual candidate votes, 65% were Trump. And so in the plotting, 60% is your first feature, and your second feature is the distance measure, 65% minus 60%. Yes, we know the denominators are the same. It's irrelevant because we're creating a feature vector, okay? So you math guys out there, that's what pattern analysis is about. And what we find is you would plot that like this, okay? This is a this is a feature that we're plotting or the feature could be over there. And when we put all these features together, you get a signal, which is this graph and we'll look at those, okay? So now, having understood that, what we didn't share in the first video is what is a normal state? Now guys like Phil Evans who've looked at this and you can argue with Phil, but you know what? He's a domain expert, he's built these. We can get more features, but there is a certain feature to what we call a normal voting pattern. I mean, I mean a certain signal to be specific, a certain signal that exhibits a normal voting pattern. So I'm gonna share with you three examples. One comes from a senatorial race, one comes from a previous presidential race, and one comes from one of the towns, uh, pre, uh, counties in in um, in Michigan, where we know there was no cheating because you see this pattern. And more in particular, remember when cheating takes place, according to Phil, most of the cheating typically occurs in the where you can get a lot of votes. And that makes sort of common sense. If you're going to cheat, take it from the place where you can get a lot from. So I'm going to share with you that data right now. Okay. So what you see here is the we're going to look at the normal state and the abnormal state remember we need to know the normal state last time we shared with you the abnormal state which was that line so how do we get this so look here's what it should look like you should get this parabola and this is jefferson county uh in alabama when sessions ran okay and let me explain this so as you're going from left to right remember 
the x axis the x axis here is percentage of people who voted straight Republican Party. So over here, this precinct over here, meaning 80% of the people who voted straight Republican Party, 80, so this means uh, in that precinct, 80% of the people voted straight Republican Party, 20%, which means Democrat. And, and uh, over here on the left side, this is probably, which means there's a lot of these precincts are clearly Republican precincts, right? Because if it's high percentage of people voting straight Republican, you could assume the sort of this part of the curve is highly Republican, okay? And the reason the curve declines is as you go more and more to the right, more and more of the Republicans there, because they're hardcore Republicans are likely going straight party and there's less individual candidates. That's why this curve dips. Over here, you see, these are precincts, which is zero. So if you take this extreme, zero percent people are voting straight party Republican. So these precincts are likely Democrat precincts. That's why you have you have lower number of uh, think, uh, no, lower number of. Uh, I mean, it's basically low number of Republican straight party votes. But the individual party candidates, as you move here, may start increasing because why? Because in this middle area, you have independents. You have Republicans, Democrats, it's a mixed race. So this is why this pattern that Phil has detected typically goes up and then you'll have some mixture here. And then as you hear, it comes down. So that's, this is where there's a normal state. I'll show you here again. This is in the McCain race, same thing. It goes up, right? And it comes down. Very, very normal, okay? And same here. This is in Saginaw County. No cheating took place here. You, you see this beautiful pattern here. It goes up and then it comes down. So. What I want to say is what you're detecting here, that is a normal pattern, no different than the nice QRST complex in a cardiology signal. Now, we may find other normal signals. And those of you who want to help us, great. Join the team. We're looking forward to your help. Okay. But what I'm here to tell you, and we can argue about this, this is a normal signal when you're using these two features, these two feature vectors. If you plot it, this is a normal signal you get. This is why when this straight, so you can see, um, let, me, let me go a little bit deeper into so, you, so everyone understands. How's everyone doing, by the way? Let me just check on the comments. Am I hitting you with too much? Uh, how's everyone doing? Am I going too fast? Okay, great. That's a nice comment. You're a phenomenal educator, you're a brilliant mind. Okay, thank you. <laughs> it's good to get those comments. Thanks very much, okay? Great, so everyone's doing well. You're following along. Just wanted to take a little breather, but this is a normal state, everyone, okay? we're looking at is these normal curves. This is what we would expect when there's no cheating. Now, so just to keep clear, I'm gonna propose this is this normal curve. So just think about that signal. Now let's go to the abnormal state, okay? But before I go there, let's dissect the normal case so you understand it better. Okay, this is where there's no irregular, no fraud. So as I said, and this is common sense, if you're on the far right here in this curve, a lot of the Republican precincts are here clearly more Democrat precincts here. In the middle is gonna be some combinations which can vary. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, if we can get demographic data, we can better at it, but we've been asking for data and we're still waiting for it, okay? So what do you see here? What you see here is that if you are a Republican, okay, you will notice that your votes will go in this direction like this because you'll get, you know, obviously you're not gonna get that many votes here from Democrat, but as you move to the right, they're gonna increase. 
this mixture can be sort of an interesting mixture. It can be, you know, it can dip down, it can go up, depending on how independents or Republicans vote for you, this can be a different function. And this will typically be the straight line function. Why? Because as you know, that this curve, the more that there are linearly more people who are Republican straight party, you're gonna have a lowering, appreciable lowering of the people who vote for you, if you like in the case of Trump, uh, Republican, uh, individual. It just makes sense. This is a proportional curve. But this is where you see this curve now to get a little more interesting. So this curve sort of will have this kind of feature. This curve, I'm doing it as a straight line, but I'm just saying it's a different type of function. And this will have a different function. There's at least there could be more. There could be more complicated. But I just want you to think about this as three different types of curves that make this up. There's a straight line piece. There's this other mixture and there's a sloping piece. OK. So it's a complex and it's a composite function. And so really it's made up of three different functions, f of x, which could be a sloping you know, upward curve. It could be some other flat line curve or some more, something more complex, it could be a sine wave here. And this would be a downward sloping um, curve, right? So if you wanna think about it, in math, we would say this is u of x, which represents this whole red line. And it's a function, which is a combination of f of x in some form combined with g of x, combined with h of x. And I leave this up to the mathematician when we get to the modeling piece to do this. But what I can tell you as a pattern person, as a, as a systems person is that this has these functions. All right, everyone clear? So there's three functions in the normal case that it's made up of at least three. There could be more, all of you wizards who wanna join our team, you may find others, but this is what we've seen over the many, many years. Now, in the abnormal state, this curve reduces to this flat line. And that's what we shared with you. It is minus MX plus B. It's just a downward sloping line. That's what we shared with you. And a bunch of people are critiquing, critiquing me saying, oh, it's a downward sloping line, Shiva. Yes, because that's what you get when this dominates. It is just a downward sloping line, but you shouldn't have that. You should have these components. You know, it should look like this as I'm sharing here. This is what you should have gotten, okay? But what we saw, in Michigan, in those three counties was this. We just saw this dominating. And that is a cause for serious alarm. That is a cause for something is up. You mathematicians listening out there, I hope you're getting this, okay? The function should be much more complex. It got reduced to this. So now there could be other abnormal states. I'm trying to keep it simple. This is a normal state, but when you see this, so when a guy like Phil Evans sees this, he goes, oh my God, something's up. Okay, and that's why he and I teamed up to start putting this mathematics together, putting this framework together to start educating all of you so we could pull in more people to help us. This is not a math problem. It's a pattern recognition problem, okay? So this is what we shared with you, right? We saw now I took away this flat thing here just to make it simple, okay? This is what we see here. We see a straight line. We see a straight line here, okay? You shouldn't see this. This is what we see in Oakland County in the early voting, and election day voting, no thing, you see a straight line. Same thing here in Macomb County, straight line. And same thing here in, in election day, same uh, election day and early voting. And look at this, in Kent County, same thing. You see another straight line, that's what we see. And you have the other extreme here where you see this flat line, okay? Which tells you something else is going on in Wayne County, okay? So this is why, now we could say there's no cheating or nothing was applied, but this is still needs to be tested, okay? But bottom line, you can see that you have the normal state 
and you have the abnormal state. So in this case, we have the normal state and the abnormal state. So what's funny is, imagine we had some, so you math guys out there who said, oh, this is just a downward sloping line, so what? Well, if you went to a cardiologist, you said, oh, it's just a sine wave, who cares? Well, you'd probably, <laughs> you'd probably be seen as pretty stupid, okay, or ignorant, okay? Because this is an abnormal state, and this is the abnormal state that we were featuring. So I hope everyone out there who's seeing, uh, I think some guy called me a fraud, a charlatan, a very stupid guy. I think he's he does some music on the side and some, you know, but he learned a little bit of math, but he doesn't know engineering systems. Very dumb, ignorant person. I'm sorry. He Any class I taught at MIT probably be thrown out, probably wouldn't even get in there because of that kind of very, very narrow focus. Okay. No, um, no real arrogance here, but I just want to say this is a serious matter. When people just learn how to add and multiply numbers, can use MATLAB or can use Excel, but they don't have the big picture understanding. The big picture understanding here is if you told a cardiologist, oh, this is just a sine wave, who cares? And if you just said this, you'd be seen as very foolish in the, in the field that I come from and the field that I've spent nearly 40 years about. The issue is, yes, it's a downward sloping line, but the point is exactly it's a downward sloping line. And, it's, and, and you're only seeing one component of this, okay? So now I wanna bring, hey, Doug, are you there? Doug, can you join us? Doug Applegate? Doug? I see Doug is there. Hello, Doug, hello, hello. <laughs> hey, Doug? Hey, Doug, can you uh, unmute yourself and join us? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't hear you on the StreamYard. On the stream, yeah, I mean, it, I, it's not working. So. Okay, okay, so so Doug, I'm gonna put your, so Doug's on the phone with us. So Doug just, Doug, you contacted me a couple of days ago, and Doug, I think you were seeing one of the math guys out there uh, say something, and you essentially had to, um, I think, educate him that the y-axis is a feature, right? It's not just math. You wanna just talk a little bit about that, Doug? Yeah, so on this, uh, well, the, you know, plot you have up here, you know, it's just... Um, oh, oh, no, no, know. but before I go into that, Doug, one second, but uh, okay. my point is you and I connected, I was just introducing you to the audience, you and I connected because you had seen some critiques out there and you as a, yes. uh, by the way, Doug has a PhD in computer science. He's a newly minted PhD candidate. Congratulations, Doug. It takes a lot to get those PhDs. So it's good to have you. Um, but, but... Uh, Doug uh, had a, uh, is, uh, was very wise because he had an intuitive sense when people were just critiquing these lines, they weren't understanding. So Doug and I connected very recently, probably in the last 24 hours, and Doug went and did some, your own analysis, because the data is out there for all you guys to understand. So Doug, I'm gonna share with the straight party and the individual party. So why don't you tell us what you did here, Doug? Uh, well, uh, I just took the, you know, uh, based on what you had done and, um, you know, just comparing the two, and, and similar to what the mathematician was doing, is saying, you know, we'll just just plot them directly, and um, you know, I was just curious to see what it would, you know, what, what would result in it, and um, you know, if you look at this and look at the rest of them, you find, you know, some some very clear irregularities. So, so, um, so Doug, as a pattern guy, as a computer scientist, mm -hmm. if you saw this, you would say, what? There's a serious what problem? Oh, big red flags. I mean, it's 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 very very much a red flag, especially when you see it across different counties. Yeah. So let me walk people through that, Doug, and I'll I'll bring you in. Okay. So what Doug did here was he took our signals, which is a straight party, 
and the individual party votes, right? And he, the cool thing Doug did, did was, because people are critiquing us, hey, we didn't do Biden and we didn't do Trump together, right, Doug? So, so Doug went and did them on the same graph. So what you see here is on the same graph, you see the, the, the straight party votes versus the individual party votes drawn on the same axis, okay? For Trump, which is in orange, and Biden, which is in blue. Now, here's a fantastic result that I'm gonna share with you, or, or the very interesting thing that Doug was able to point out. He did what's called the R square, the correlation coefficient, I'll explain that. For Biden and Trump, what do you see for Biden? I mean, for Trump, you see it's 0.895, which means, what that means is that the people who go in, in a, in a, in a the, 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 the individuals who vote, um, uh, uh, the people who vote for Trump, uh, whether they came from the Republican straight party voting or from voting from as individuals, the percentages in any one precinct are pretty close, right, Doug? They they match. They're they correlate. Right. If it's low on one, it's low on the other. If it's high on one, it's, you know, it's it's consistent across all different uh, voting patterns. You know, throughout different precincts. Right. So you're looking at different pre precincts in Kent County, and you see a, a very tight correlation. So the higher the R squared number means it's a tight correlation. So so what? So if you chose to vote for Trump in a precinct as an individual or you decide to straight party, the percentages are around the same. They're near the same. They track closely, okay? So, however, what you see with Biden is 0.141. So, which means right here, the people who decide to, to vote for Biden as a straight party Democrat doesn't mean in that precinct that the individuals who voted for Biden also have the same percentages, right? So, it doesn't track. And so, I think, Doug, you point out this is highly inconsistent, right? It's a big signal of something is up. You shouldn't have this much inconsistency. Doug, you want to add anything to that? No, that's right. That's right. And, and that, you know, like you say, when you show the other ones, you know what I mean? It was not just there. It's all of them. Right. Yeah. So so we're looking at Kent County. So we want to do other counties. So Doug did a great job. He went and looked at a couple of other counties. So but notice that Trump tracks closely which means the people who vote party or vote individually in uh, whether when, how they voted for him, they track. But Biden's is different. And this is in Oakland County, same thing. Look at this, this is even more profound. The R squared is near zero, okay? Trump tracks perfectly, we're near one, right? 0.88. Biden's at point, not 0 0.65, Highly inconsistent, that's in Oakland County. And another signal is here in Macomb County, you'll see here, Trump is 0.673. He's tracking a little bit less, but pretty, pretty good compared to Biden. It's a relatives that we need to look at. The tracking is significantly far off. And for us who do pattern analysis, it says, wait a minute, something is up. All right. Now, um, so the key findings from this signal thing that Doug just did are Trump's individual candidate votes correlate very highly with Republican straight party voters. And then Biden's individual candidate votes correlate very poorly with Democratic straight party voters. Is that is that pretty summarizes it well, Doug? Spot on. Yeah. So, Doug, thanks for doing this analysis. But this is an individual signal that we're seeing, but using our same features. We're still using the features that we have. Now, let's go to the math guy, this guy in England who's being quite cheeky. Uh, maybe he didn't like the fact I'm from India or something, want to be a colonialist or something. I don't know what he's up to, but... Um, Nope, uh, it's sort of joking here, but it's interesting because 
He was saying, why didn't I, you know, plot Biden and this and Trump and, you know, this is just a line. Yeah, it is just a line. And listen very carefully. It is a line, but that line is a feature that's an abnormal state. Now, what's interesting is he actually helped me. So I want to thank you for doing this, because if you look at his graph that he did in his video, and I thank him for doing this, you know, um, by the way, all the people on our team are volunteers. No one gets paid to do this. We don't monetize this YouTube video, so I'm not making money like he did and others. Okay. This is done purely for educational reasons. So what you see is if you look at this line that he even drew, Doug, if you see this, um, he remember left to right, as you go from left to right, uh, in the case of Trump, you go from low Democrats to high, uh, high Republican precincts. And what do you see in high Republican precincts right here on the far right, about hundred percent, Trump is losing 20% individual candidate votes in high, highly Republican precincts. And Biden, remember, when you do Biden's, the left is, again, Republican, because the right is Democrat, because it's switched. And in highly Republican precinct, uh, Biden is gaining around 20%. So let me just repeat that. Trump is losing in high individual candidate votes in highly Republican precincts by 20%. And Biden is gaining in highly Republican precincts, it frankly is another big signal. And so the real critical question that this brings up is, and we're looking at Kent County, is why is Trump losing 20% individual candidate votes in highly Republican precincts when Trump's individual candidate votes correlate very highly with Republican straight party votes, which is the, uh, what, what, what Doug just found out, Doug Applegate, okay? This makes no sense. You know, this should be, if anything, this should be much tighter. Wouldn't you say so, Doug? This, these, this number should be tighter because if this was tighter, this would be down. So this tells me the vote transfer is on. I mean, anyone looking at this with any common sense could see if you combine all the pieces together, that there is a clear vote transfer taking place here. And if, if you have other explanations, great. But let's start talking about the fact that this curve, this line curve is an abnormal state. And in that abnormal state, we're finding this 20%. So I want to thank the math guy, whether you did it um, accidentally or not, thank you. And you played a very uh, critical role here. I appreciate your work in doing this, whether you know you did it or not, I thank you, okay? So the critical question again here is, why is Trump losing 20% individual candidate votes in highly Republican precincts when Trump's individual candidate votes correlate very highly with Republican straight party votes? So that's, so in summary, we'll get to this, but what we're seeing here is you should have this normal case. We're not seeing the normal case in these counties. We're seeing this absolutely straight line, which is the abnormal case. And yes, it should be a straight line. Yes, it should be Y equals minus MX plus B. Thank you to all you math guys for doing algebra. I'm glad you did algebra in eighth grade, okay? Yes, that's what it's supposed to be. But that is an indicator of fraud. It is an indicator something is off. It's not in this normal condition. That's, that's the issue here. So what are the challenges we face today? Because we need data. You know, we've been trying to get data. We need demographic data. If we had demographic data, we, uh, sorry, I wasn't sharing this. We need data, okay? We need demographic data, all right? Because, because we couldn't get demographic data, we're using the, uh, and because Michigan had the straight party vote, we're using that to get uh, an angle into the demographic data. The election systems data and engineers are non-existent. I was, it was great to find someone like Doug who's open to understanding electioneering. 
but most of the math guys are in here and they're frankly don't know what they're doing. They're just doing math. They don't understand the domain. So we don't need mathematicians simply to do line plots. Okay. We need election domain experts and they're hard to find. So these are the challenges we had. We need data, we need demographic data, we need data systems engineers, and we don't, and we need domain experts. So what's the next step? Well, this is what, you know, um, some of you may know, you know, I do many things. One of the things I did back in 2007 when I finished my PhD was I started a center for integrative systems, a center. It's a nonprofit research and education center, all run by volunteer scientists. We've looked at, uh, you know, food systems. We've looked at innovation systems. We've looked at, you know, um, you know, the health systems. And we're going to launch a project right away because we need people to come together. And um, I feel this is a service I can uh, support. I can help direct some research uh, based on my capabilities. I want to offer this, but we're going to launch an election integrity systems project, election integrity systems project. Oops, this should be actually be, that's fine. Election in integrity, I'm going to edit this right here. I don't like that comma. Okay. So we're going to launch an election integrity systems project. And we think this is extremely, oops, I got to share the screen again. One second, everyone. Okay, there. Doug, I don't know if you can see the screen, right? Were you able to see, were people able to see the challenges? I think before I went to this, yeah. So these are the challenges and we're gonna launch an election integrity project. And those of you who wanna know more, go to the International Center for Integrative Systems. We're gonna start it right away. And to start it right away, because time is of the essence, um, this Thursday, this Thursday at 8 p.m., this Thursday, uh, if you want to be part of this, if you're a mathematician, data engineer, a citizen, uh, you have some skills, you have computing, you have data, call in, email me at vashiva at vashiva.com, and I'll send you a Zoom link. Uh, Doug, I hope you join us. <laughs> this is Thursday. Um, but we're going to start this project because we need people to start helping us do signal detection. What we've done is we identified from abnormal signals. We need to start helping identify some more normal signals. And now the path forward for election integrity, as we shared last time with our crew, is that the inputs and the outputs to our voting systems uh, are unverifiable today. And so the way we get there is we need verifiable inputs. We need permanent voter registration cards. This is how we get to election integrity. We need open source software. We need hand-marked paper ballots. We need to save ballot images pursuant to federal law. They don't save them. The states are doing their own thing. They're, they're violating federal law. We need to publish ballot images Publicly, imagine all the ballot images that were put on the crowd. All of us should, could be doing the recounts, okay? But everything is cloak and dagger in many ways. It's all very opaque. It's not transparent. There should be automatic audits at every election place. What that means is right when the election ends at the precincts, the poll tapes should be printed, which means actually how many ballots were cast, how many voters came in, and that should be published right on the web so we can all look at they match. Immediately, right now, those are sent to a central tabulation center where all the cheating can occur if there's cheating taking place. So the summary of today's talk is signals of election fraud are clearly existent, okay? And the, to review, the first video shared the abnormal state to raise an alarm. I'm glad we raised an alarm. And yes, it is a line graph, okay? No arguments there, but dismissing the line is akin you know, to a cardiolo cardiologist seeing a sine wave, uh, you know, akin to a uh, sine wave and saying, uh, so what? It's just a sine wave, you know? So anyone, yeah, it's a sine wave, but that is your abnormal state. So if you're seeing this and you're saying, so what? Shiva just did a line chart where you're missing the whole thing. That is the abnormal state. So we need 
we need election systems engineers, data systems engineers, and the weighted feature exists. And the question I have for all of you is, do you care? Do you, get, do you care, all you mathematicians um, out there, all you data science people, do you care that there is a weighted race system, that is a weighted race feature in the system? And if you do, I call on you to join us on the Zoom call. You can email me, as I said, at vhshiva, at vhshiva.com, but we need to start building a real movement of mathematicians, data election, data systems engineers. Uh, I've gotten very little sleep over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Phil has gotten very little sleep. I'm sure a lot of people out there, but we need data and we need data, but we can crack this code using more of what we're doing, but that's what we need. Doug, did you get it? Every, everything cool? Yes, thanks so much. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we need from people. And let me see what the comments are. Jen, if there's any comments, we can see. Um, yes, ability to cast a no is simply abstain from a race. Let's say voter ID should be required in all states. Thank you. Uh, someone said, I want my money back for this crap software. What are the chances this happened? I care that you care for us. Okay, look. The fact that the weighted race feature exists is what we should be focused on. That feature should not exist in these voting systems. The fact that that feature exists means we're saying you can go cheat. That means you can go cheat. And what we're trying to do as citizens here, and now with the center, we want to bring together people, want to help us. We want to figure out what other abnormal signals there are. And But the bottom line is a weighted, the fact that the weighted race feature exists in these systems. I mean, I'm sure there's other ways to do fraud, but that's our focus right now. And can we detect that? Um, yes, yeah, someone said, will the Zoom meeting be recorded? We will, okay? Someone says, is the data available online? Doug, you found your data online, right? But it's still hard to get data, isn't it, Doug? Yeah, yeah, I just go to, uh, I, I think for that one, and I'll, I'll provide the link, but you can just you know Google around and find the Michigan data. It's like in a PDF, it just takes, five minutes to extract and put into a spreadsheet. So yep. Pretty simple. Yes. And uh, so what I want to ask everyone is, please go now that I've educated you. Remember, my model is learn, teach and serve. This is about learning, teaching and serving. Um, Doug, I think this will be a pretty good educational video, right? Even for the mathematicians, the non-mathematicians. Sure. What do you think? I do. Yes, I believe it. Yeah. So what I encourage is all of you, whether you're uh, you know, a non-mathematician, I made this easy. Please share this video. Please learn from it. Please teach others. Learn, teach, and serve as my model. We don't have time to publish in journals and critique each other over looking at little uh, things saying this is a line. Yeah, it's a line. That's the abnormal state. Those of you who really care, ask of yourselves, do you want election integrity? And if you do, you have someone here who has a lot of experience in doing this in other domains, and I'm gonna to pull together people to do this. We need to demand our governments and those people give us the data much faster. So this Thursday, 8 p.m., what is Thursday? Um, what is today, 16th, 17th, 18th, it's 20th, right? Is that the 20th, Doug? Uh, yes, please. So, 20th at 8 p.m. No, the 19th, 19th. It's 19th, I'm sorry. Is it the 19th? 17th, yeah, sorry. So this 19th Thursday, join us, okay? Join us if you wanna help, we'll do a Zoom call and I'm gonna map out a research plan, but something very practical what you can do now because this is a way we're gonna unite our country. We're gonna unite our country by bringing election integrity. As long as 
70 million people didn't think the vote went well. We're going to have 70 million against 70 million. So even you're the other 70 million who think you won it and there was no election integrity, you have nothing to lose by being part of this because this is a long-term play. So I encourage you all to be part of this. And um, uh, for class, happy to register. Great. Okay, by the way, we'll, every Saturdays, I'm gonna be doing classes all, this is a question, all voting systems are weighted. Well, the weighted feature is there. So the issue, Juliet, is to see, can we detect it, okay? Someone said Trump should look at this video. Look, I've gotten calls from all the Trump people. Um, we wanna support what they're doing, but yes, we need to now educate, educate, educate. And as I've said before, if we do not, it's either you get educated or you be enslaved. My commitment is to educate you because without education, we frankly have nothing. So please use this video to educate yourself. And that's the way we illuminate ourselves to find out what's really going on for truth, freedom and health. As you know, that's one of my big mottos, but that's where we, I think that's what we all want. We want truth, freedom and health. So please get this out there, educate people and the people who just want to snark and be trolls, you know, be kind to them. They need some education too, right? They got to get out. They get their head out of wherever and start recognizing there's a bigger issue here. It's pattern recognition. It's signal detection. It's not just drawing lines. Anyway, this is Dr. Shiva Adurai. I hope you all have a good night. It was a pleasure doing this. A lot of work. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. My gift uh, of service to you all. Um, thank you. Doug, stay on.